looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk, and I got co-host Terry Jackson. You there, TJ? I'm here, love. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you today? Great. Well, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We'll talk a little bit NBA. We'll talk about a little bit, you know, back to football. I guess you got a couple of questions. So we got a lot, we got a wide range of stuff to talk about today. Uh, I want to say a good shout out to a number one fan that's sitting by the pool out in Arizona, getting a little sun and fun. Have fun out there. Don't soak up all that 80 degree weather out there. So <laughs> have fun kicking it, you know. But let's get it started. Terry, you ready? I'm ready, love. Uh, we have a nice little guest, a young man that um, played with him, fortunate played with him, and uh, he had a little time in the NBA, so we get his advice on certain things, so that'll be later on in the show, Terry. All right, I can't wait. Well, Terry, well, well, well since we got online, I think Galen called, but we might as well get started off and finishing up, because I had a couple of emails that last week, why didn't we finish up talking about women watching sports and shit that shut them off at certain times? I know, love. You yes, keep sir. getting me in trouble with that, you know. And I try to stick up for you as best I can, but you know, it's it's getting a little rough. <laughs> you know what? There's two things, Terry. Uh, this is kind of funny. I got a phone call last night from a young lady. One of the listeners said, "Blah blah blah." You know, sometimes women need to shut their mouth, and they don't know the sport. You know, then don't talk about it. You know, and I remember sitting next to a person, and I go, "Hey, who you want to win? New York?" Um, New York Giants or Montreal? So, Montreal. <laughs> they ain't no Montreal plan. You see, you see my point? You know, they care less about the, the game. They want to sit there and bug the guy. You know, who's it? Blah, blah, just to bug him, you know. And like this young lady was saying, Melissa was saying that if you don't know them about sports, cook this the uh, chicken wings, make the meal, and go in the other room. <laughs> well, love, I, my wife does know something about sports, and, and I got in trouble this weekend because I was supposed to be cleaning, and the Knicks were playing, and I hadn't seen Jeremy Lin play, and I said, I'm going to watch this game. Well, she kept on me and on me, and I'm, I'm watching this game, and I said, all right. So I got up and I vacuumed a little bit, and I sat back down and I was watching the game. Well, I had the heat were coming on next. So I had to watch the heat. I said, look, when the heat come on, I'm watching this game. So I had to get up and do a little bit more. But <laughs> it, 
it, it, it's a little bit different for me because she does know a little bit about it, you know. Um, so it's hard for me to say, and I understand where you come from when you're talking about women should shut up when they don't know anything about it because I haven't been around too many that ask me questions that don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, you know, there's a difference. And like the listener was saying that if you, some women do, you know, like saying your wife do know, you know, Lori do know a lot, you know, some know probably more than what the guys know, you know? Yeah. But there's a point where when you don't have to go back to Tom Brady wife, you know, with those reporters, there's a time where you just shut your mouth and keep, you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. oh, the reason why I'm saying that, Terry, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying women should shut up. I'm, you know, we, you know, <laughs> women should be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> shut your mouth. No, but anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is if you don't know it or if it's going to affect, because what she said, it didn't affect her husband, Tom Brady. It affects right. the other players on the team, and that's what I was saying. Some things you say, it's not, you know, I don't know you're trying to protect your husband, but you left it open for the other player that's out there trying this as hard as your husband. People make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's pillow talk. That's something that should have happened uh, in, in, in somebody's house or, you know, if they had a, a few people over, you know, my husband can't throw the ball and catch it too. But you, you, you're getting out there to the reporters and, and just after the game, she was she was just a little bit out of line. I mean, it was just a bigger stage than what uh, she probably should have let it be. What's that class in you take? Shut your mouth one on one. I already know we're gonna get in trouble for this one, but hey, what it, it is, what it is, right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but you, I, you just you gotta agree. You know, if you're gonna say something, just say, hey, my husband tried he threw the ball, that you know, catches they tried to make catches wasn't made. Say it like that. Don't make it like the guys out there wasn't trying that hard. They, they dropped the ball. Yeah, you know, I, th- I, 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 uh, I think that's like a technical foul, love. You know how when you get in a game and, and, and you heat it or, you know, you throw the football down at somebody and the referee calls a 15-yard penalty or he gives you a tee, that was her technical foul. <laughs> yeah. she, that was her 15-yard penalty. That's she a football foul on the woman to shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you say you don't know about going to cook it, going to the kitchen and make the chicken wing. You don't know about that one, huh? Hey. We're already in trouble with this, Terry, so we might as well keep riding on, right? <laughs> I guess so, love. <laughs> you see Gator, they call it. He ain't going to talk about that one. <laughs> he said, you ain't going to mess me up. <laughs> but, no, that is a good point, you know. And, and like you say, you know, if you don't know it, I mean, just, I mean, there's no wrong acting. Hey, what was that? You know, you get five questions. After that, leave the room. Yeah. But love, she knew what she was talking about. She said, "My husband can't throw the ball and catch it too." She she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But tell you, you know, I got a little thing that I wanted to talk about. It's something like you know that's been going on. I know football is only, but the big story is this is Peyton Manning. You know, uh-huh. in my point of view on that, you know, you got a young young man that everybody keeps saying he's hurt. No, but you're gonna. Um, Make him your number one quarterback. You know, he's going to be quarterback of the future. My thing is, uh, do you get rid of Peyton Manning? That's my point. And the point I was trying to make is, you don't get rid of somebody that's been there for you and made the organization, you know, built the organization for you. You know, you keep him around. Then as you keep him around, you you bring this young guy up, you know, like Aaron Rodgers did under Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. That's what I was talking about. Did you agree with that, Terry? Yeah, I do. 
Um, the thing about it is, is that it's not about that anymore. It's about money. It's about winning now. You know, I had a conversation yesterday uh, with a guy, and <clears throat> it seems like, you know, these coaches have to win now, or they're going to get fired, or these players have to win now, or they're going to get traded. And it's become a win now or, or see you later league. And to do that to a veteran, you know, who's been there, who who, who happened to sustain an injury and, and has had some surgeries and is trying to, wants to come back, wants to stay with the team, that's the right thing to do, I think, in my opinion. That's the moral thing to do. But these business people don't see it that way. And, you know, it's, when it's all said and done, it's about the dollar. You know, I disagree a little bit on that. You said the win now. You cannot win now with a guy coming out of college. No, you year. can't. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. I think, how many quarterbacks did it? Um, ben Rossberg was the only one that done it. Yeah. You know, they came right out and won because of the team. But it takes five years for a quarterback to be a, a true NFL quarterback in the league, you know? True, but they want to get something for Peyton Manning. They want to get some dollars from him. I don't know that they're putting all their their, their, their eggs in that basket. See, that's the thing I'm saying. And they want him to 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 stay there and win. I, I think they don't. I don't know if they want to pay him. Well, that's my question. You would you get rid of Peyton Manning for this young guy that's coming in and and mess up? Well, because if it was me, you got. Three more years out of Peyton Manning with the injury. He's going to play. I don't care what they say. He's going to play. You get three more good years out of him, have a young guy behind him learning. Throw him in. Would you get rid of Peyton Manning there? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get rid of him uh, on, on that aspect, and I wouldn't get rid of him on the money aspect. So, therefore, I probably wouldn't be a very good owner or, or general manager. But they're talking about the mighty dollar, love, and that's, that's what it seems to be about, man, uh, in, in my opinion. I would keep him there. I would have Peyton tutor this guy and, and send him off into the sunset on his white horse uh, as a, a, a colt and, you know, cherish him being in the Hall of Fame if, if, if I own that Colts team. <laughs> if you own it, huh? Right. In the mall, huh? <laughs> what would you, if, you, if you trade him, what would you want to get for him? What, you want a, a veteran quarterback? Do you want a receiver? What do you want if you trade him? Because what do they need, Love? It looks to me like they need just about everything. Well, I mean, when a team only wins two games, you need a you need a new coach, you need a new everything, new stadium, you need a new cheerleaders. <laughs> well, we'll take the old one. So you, you know, <laughs> at least they won't be in the room watching football. We'll keep them out of there, you know. Get away from us, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You need a whole, you I don't know what you would get for Peyton. What would you want for him? Um, do you need a quarterback? Um, do you need a running back? Do you need some receivers? Um, what, how, how is our offensive line? Uh, what, what are we doing defensively? How were we defensively last year? Where did we sit? I mean, that's a that's an open-ended question um, on a team that has lost the way they have lost uh, this year. So I don't know. I I would uh, I would at least try to keep him. I I, I don't know what I would. Uh, what I, what I would even ask for for him, to be quite honest with you. Same team they had last year that won 10 and 6. Mm-hmm. Same team they had this year that won 2 and 14. Mm-hmm. All that was out was your quarterback. So yeah. what that tells you? Well, that, that tells you that the quarterback is very important. Uh, that also tells you the mentality of that team was uh, probably dejected. Um, I don't think that 
that they were out there trying to lose or, or you know, not playing hard. But, I mean, to take a hit like that when your leader goes out, you can't help but be a little dejected. Well, uh, then that brings me back to the point where you said the quarterback was the leader, right? They won no games because of Peyton. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Little challenge here. Little what I'm challenge. saying is he's a big part of that. That you anytime you have a team, you're gonna have a leader. You're gonna have your best player who may not always be your leader, but he's gonna be looked at as your leader. Okay? Your best player, your most important player. Um he's the one that's taking all the reps. He's your starting quarterback. Anybody starting quarterback on their team is going to be a very important player. He's going to be one of the main reasons why you win or or lose a game. Not, not the only reason, but he's going to be one of the reasons. Could be one of the reasons. Now, when you win the game, is he going to be the main reason you win the game? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be the main reason, no. You know I'm going with this, right? I know where you're going. <laughs> no, but I'm going. What, I'm, what I'm telling you is... The quarterback number one has to be protected, so we got to start with the offensive line. Okay, uh-huh. we got to start there. We got to start with the running backs helping block, or whether they're going to catch the ball or not. Then we got the receivers. The quarterback's job is to get the ball to the receivers. Now, if he throws a touchdown pass, it's because the receiver caught it, right? It's also because he threw it. It's also because the offensive line gave him time to do that. So it's a whole team effort. You can't just say, "Well, Peyton Manning won this game." Well. No, he didn't. Tim Tebow didn't either. It's the same thing. Oh, you you only jumped before, huh? You won't let me say it, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Hey, put it out there. Put it out there. Cause you knew I was going with that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. My point was was fair was like everybody keeps saying Tebow won these games, <laughs> but I do got a I do got a quote that happened the other day on uh, the internet from his backup quarterback Brady Quinn. Yeah, had a little comment about that. Did you read that? I read that, but I don't. I think you know. And Brady Quinn said they took his words and, and put them in a different context, and and that's possibly what happened. I can't see Brady Quinn going out and saying something like that. But GQ magazine, though. They're known for that kind of stuff because everybody that goes and has an interview with GQ magazine gets back on and says they took everything I said out of context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what he said, I don't, I don't we'll, think we'll talk okay. about what we talk about. But this is what we're going to do, Terry. I love it when me and you get to talk. This is like we sitting around watching, and just me and you in the room, right? No That's women. It. That's it. In the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is, uh, we'll be right back. And then when we come back, we got a guest, Reggie, online. So this is Jerry Lovin, host of Lovin' That Sports Talk, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. What does building a family mean to you? 
Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to The Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk. I'm a co-host, TJ, Terry Jackson. that there? I'm here. And listeners, I was, look, Terry, I was proud to um, be a great friend of this young man we have on here that I uh, went to college with, and I was able to, um, you know, keep in contact with him after college. You know, he had a great career after he played, you know, at the University of Wyoming, and we kept friends. And, you know, I did an event out in um, Laramie for a young lady that had cancer, and he was more than willing to come I signed autographs, so Terry, you know, I just like to bring on a great friend of mine and listeners out there. Reggie Fox, you there, Reggie? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Good, good. Glad, glad to have you on, Reggie. Thanks for having me, man. You know, real quick, you know, tell the listeners, you know, where you played University of Wyoming, what you did after that. Uh, obviously, I mean, we went to college together, and, um, you know, I, I was there doing our best run in the NCAA tournament. Um, during the Sweet 16 days, uh, top 20 ranked teams for a couple years in a row. Uh, you know, back then we were initially what you would call a Cinderella team until everybody found out about us, and then we weren't much of a Cinderella, and then uh, we still had to come back the next year and um, and be in top 20 ranked. And, and uh, you know, this is a tough little climb for us. But uh, So that experience was a, was a great experience, obviously, being at the University of Wyoming. Uh, and I left there, and I spent 12 years playing professionally, uh, one year in the NBA, but the majority of my career I spent in the minor leagues and spent uh, in Europe, in Italy and Spain, and I've uh, toured eight years uh, with Magic Johnson. After he retired, he, he had a, a group of us uh, ex-NBA players, uh, and we toured uh, all over the world playing before international ball was um as popular as it is today, and the international players were as popular as they are today, we would uh, take our NBA teams, Spud Webb, Mark Aguirre, Kurt Rambis, Reggie Theus, many of the guys who are now uh, NBA coaches that were former NBA greats, uh, 
um, we toured and played uh, in all the foreign leagues against the uh, Paul Souls and the team, the guys that were coming up at that time. And um, after that, I uh, got into coaching. I got into coaching in the CBA. I was a coach and the general manager of a CBA team uh, for a couple years and then got an opportunity internationally and spent six years uh, coaching internationally. And um, then ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I was uh, WBA coach of the year and uh, ended up in Phoenix, Arizona, developing uh, a West. Co- uh, I'm sorry, a Southwest uh, branch of the World Basketball Association, which is a minor league. And, uh, and furthermore, ended up coaching AAU ball and have the top AAU club in in, uh, in uh, Arizona. So that's uh, kind of my little journey and my path to where I'm at today. You know, really, that's good. I mean, that resume alone, and I like I like to see you, you know, coaching the NBA one year. I mean, just by what you know about, about the game, then you know about you know bringing up you know different people, bringing out the best with them, really. So, but I remember getting in contact with you at the Phoenix Sun game. Remember, and I looked and I'm like that, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, before we bomb you with these questions, Reggie, tell listen, how's my jump shot, really? <laughs> I'm too left-handed, eyes closed, and, uh, you know, it's good. Come on, love. I'm going to have Matt delete that part out. So, you know. <laughs> well, Reggie, I got to you about this. Uh, this Jeremy Lynn to play for New York Knicks. You know, we have all these athletes like, you know, Tim Tebow in football, and he got Jeremy Lynn. Is this the real deal, or is this just something like a fly-by-night star, you know? So you can see talent that, that comes real quick, and then you see talent that fades. Is he a real deal? Uh, first of all, absolutely. Obviously, it is uh, it is all over. You know, it's not just a, a national story; it's an international story. But um, and everybody has an opinion. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it, the media kind of sensationalizes the, or I wouldn't even say sensationalizes. I'd say polarizes the fact that he's Asian American, and uh, it kind of discounts the fact that he's an exceptional basketball player. Uh, you know, it's a great story that he's come up and uh, how he's come up. But beyond all that, and one thing, I, I, speaking of that, I also did some scouting for the NBA. So, you know, when you look at uh, a kid like that, the intangibles, I'm not even talking about the numbers that he puts up, the intangibles that he has are NBA intangibles. So you, you can put him in a dark room, put a silhouette in front of the TV and watch the kid play. And it doesn't matter who he is, white, black, Asian-American, Latino, Filipino. And the fact remains, if anybody who understands basketball understand the kid has a high basketball IQ, basketball IQ. So it's not a fly-by-night. He'll only get better. You know, a lot of people make, make, uh, you know, make, make, make a big deal of the, the turnovers that he gets and stuff. And they get, you got to remember, the kid is <laughs> he's on the job learning. He's on the job training. I went through four NBA free agent camps, four different teams, before I finally kind of, it. I know how hard his walk is, before I finally got an opportunity to learn from all of those mistakes. And he got, quote-unquote, thrown in the fire, which was a blessing for him. And if you understand basketball, you understand that he will only get better because he has intangibles and a work ethic. And that's, that's more than enough for him to have a long career. I know you got a question, Terry. Let me yeah. let me finish this real quick with him. But when you said you've been a four team, you know how hard it's Reggie, how hard is it with those camps going into different teams and the work ethic and, you know, 
because you know basketball is only what you got fifteen players. Football you got fifty some. You know, but still, there's there's less than basketball. You make one mistake, you're out of there, right? Keep in mind, James, you may have fifteen rost fifteen players on the roster, uh-huh. but on any given year, any given year you may have two and a half spots available. So 13 of those are guaranteed, and it doesn't matter how much you beat those guys out. And that's what you got. That's the percentages are so much less uh, to make a team because when you're coming from his walk. And, and when I said I've been through four camps, I went through four. I was with the Pistons. My first team was with the Pistons with Isaiah, Joe, and Vinny in the backcourt. Where, where will I even get an opportunity to play? Yeah. Just, just to play in practice, let alone they're trying to build. That was a championship year, so I'm looking at Jeremy Lin's ascent and saying, you know, he is more than blessed to take advantage of being in the right place at the right time. More than blessed to take advantage because it is so hard. And I went through four different. When I say that, I went to the New Jersey Nets, Portland Trail Blazers, uh, the Detroit Pistons, and then finally with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But many times that you're invited to these camps, you're invited to help other kids. It's like a sparring partner. You go there and you, I play great. I, actually, I went through five. I forgot. I was with, in Milwaukee with Ray Allen. And you can go in and play great. And the, the fact remains that most of the time, they kind of have a preconceived notion of who can play and who can't. And that's what has happened to Jeremy Lin. Mm-hmm. But because New York Knicks are in a major market, they had absolutely no serviceable point guard, so him getting on the court was kind of like a, being in training camp, and they said, okay, you go and try to bring the ball up, except everybody got a chance to see him have a training camp. Yeah. Hey, uh, Reggie, tell us how that happens. Tell us how a Jeremy Lin comes, and, and all of a sudden uh, they, the Knicks would say, okay, let's try this kid. Tell me where he would come from and how the Knicks would, would, would have him on their team. Well, again, when you have... Their, their point guards that they have back in that they started the season with, uh, Tony Douglas, Mike Bibby, uh, obviously Baron Davis was hurt, Iman Shumpert, who's a rookie, but more of a two-guard. Their team, when they begin to struggle and drop to four, five, six games below 500, you begin to search. You start the season out thinking that, okay, one of these guys will be serviceable enough to coexist and uh, uh, go with Amari and... Uh, and uh, Carmelo and those other guys. Then when you start to drop below 500, that's when you begin to search. So Jeremy Lin being in the right place at the right time, as I said, I was a CBA coach, Continental Basketball Association coach, as well as general manager. So I received a lot of calls from NBA teams. How is this guy playing? Do you think he could come in and, you know, play five minutes? Do you think this guy could come in and be a good practice player? And these things. So I know what when a guy gets called up from the D-League, what the expectations are. This kid was just grateful to go up there and make a little bit of money. As the story goes, he's sleeping on his brother's couch. So, you know, he's making $766,000 for the rest of the year. So you go from sleeping on your brother's couch to getting a guaranteed for the rest of the year. So he's going in just wanting to practice hard, prove that he belongs on that roster. But when they start to lose... Then comes the opportunity to say, we can't do any worse than this kid. Some of the kids, it's well documented that Carmelo said, hey, give him a chance. Hey, that takes pressure. I mean, they understand basketball. And in practice, when you see a guy's intangibles, you say, well, 
we can't get worse at this position. He is a true point guard's basketball IQ. And that's the difference from anything they have on their roster right now. And that's where he's just been blessed to get that opportunity. You know, you say that opportunity. Sometimes it's the right team at the right time, right, Rich? No, absolutely. It's 100% the right team at the right time. My best NBA camp I ever played in was at the same time, and Ray Allen and I are good friends, at the exact same time Ray Allen came into Milwaukee. And I played, in my estimation, I played exceptional and didn't even get invited back to camp. But it was right place at the right time. I had a better opportunity with Detroit Pistons. Chuck Daly gave me every opportunity to be on that team. But I was not ready. I was not ready, and I can honestly say that to myself. Man, they're trying everything. They're fourth feet. My Zed worked with me. Joe worked with me. Dennis Rod, everybody really liked Like everyone loves Jeremy Lynn. All those guys really, really liked me. But I was not ready, and I can look back on that with my wisdom and say, you just weren't ready, ready for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now you weren't ready physically or mentally ready? No, mentally. I, I was, they all loved my work ethic. I was always there early, there late. I could shoot. I could run. I could jump. I just wasn't a decision maker. I was not... I deferred a whole lot because I was young, on, and I kind of looked up to these guys, and I didn't come in like Jeremy Lin and say, I belong here. I said, let me help you guys. Let me figure out what you guys do better, and I want to fit in with you guys. They right. were telling me, you are good. Do what you do. Bring what your talents to the table. That is what Jeremy Lin is doing. He's bringing his talents to the table. When you average 24 or 25 points a game in a seven-game win streak, that's where the basketball uh, topic takes over. It has nothing to do with kid from the D-League, kid that's Asian-American. At the end of the day, he's averaging 25 points a game and a seven-game win streak in the NBA. He can play. Yeah, but but if he didn't have the practice and all like that, what is it then, really? I mean, he just came on and said, hey, I want to be, you know. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, James. He, he never had the knowledge of, you know, being on the court playing. That had his mental thing. What what makes him so exceptional? Exceptional. To One thing on that I did play. learn three years later, after my first opportunity, and it took me three years of going to camps before he he he's whether it was his raising or some mentors around him or whatever. What he may have gone through, which is very similar to what I I I, I could only imagine what he went what he's gone through. My very first camp. Detroit Pistons. I went in and I looked at the 12th man on the team, and those three of us actually, you know, Finnis was there with me. My own teammate who was there, it was three of us fighting for the 12th man on the on the on the 12th man on the roster. And I looked at that 12th man, and I fought those guys every single day, saying, "Let me beat this guy out." Now, three years later, with the Timberwolves. I looked at the number one guy on the team, which the starting two guard was Doug West, and I said, every single drill, I'm going up against him. I'm playing against him. I never considered whether I'm going to make this team or not. I said, I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to fight to start on this team, knowing that it was unlikely, but the fact remains, if I shoot, the old saying goes, shoot for the stars. If you don't, you him on the moon. Yeah. The moon, obviously. That's what I think Jeremy Lin has learned. Last year, he had two opportunities with Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors. His mentality may be very different now. Saying, "I don't. What's the worst can happen to me? I'll go back to the D League. I'll get cut." Yeah, that could very well be his mentality, and I can say that based on my experience. Well, you know what, Red? We're gonna take a break. I know your time in, but we need you to come back out break because Terry got important questions. Because I know what it is after football. 
But we want to have a question. We want to know whether it's after basketball, the question he has. But if you go hold on, come back after our break, and then I love it, you know. No problem. This is James Loving, host of Loving Sports Talk, co-host Terry Jackson, and we got Reggie Fox. Finally got Reggie on the show, everybody. We'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports have we got a high energy all access sports show for you it's outside the huddle starring lemond williams each week join lemond as he takes callers discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. James Loving back with host of Loving That Sports Talk. And we got TJ, Terry Jackson, Coles, and we got Reggie Fox, our guest on the line. Still there, Reggie? Yes, I'm here. All right, Terry, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. It's your turn, Terry. Light them up. Reggie, I got a question for you in comment. Like I said, I watched you guys play. Uh, what a treat that was when you guys would come down here um, that year that, that, that you guys made it um, to the Sweet 16, and, and, and we would watch you play in December. Uh, after Christmas, it was uh, it, w- it was great, and you were one of the best shooters that I ever seen. <laughs> Thank you. Just so you know, so I know you could <laughs> shoot. Um, well, me, but you were talking about your experiences and, and, and making the team and, and, and wanting to make the team instead of wanting to start. Talk to us a little bit about that. You think it's best to have that Jeremy Lin attitude to where I'm gonna come in here and play and show you what I can do, rather than I'm just gonna try to make the team. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, through my experience, I came 
you know, fresh out of college and the very first team. At that summer, I signed right after the draft, I signed with the Detroit Pistons. And you got to remember, back in 89, uh, that was a championship team. They had already gone to the finals the year before. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I grew up in Michigan watching these guys. Uh, and to go there right then, I was a bit intimidated. Not didn't feel that I, would, that I wasn't talented enough to be in the NBA. That's the only way you make it to even get signed like that right away. They see the talent. And I was an extremely hard worker. It's just that if you don't have the right mentor or, uh, you know, the coaches or someone who, who, who teaches you uh, the right wisdom that teaches you, hey, you belong here and you have to go out there and get it and act like you belong here, then sometimes you have to go through the hard knocks, which is what I did, and I can see where Jeremy Lin is having the success uh, of doing that. It took me three years of understanding that, wait a minute, I'm pretty good. I belong. Now go act like you belong. Don't look at like I'm just trying to make the team. In Detroit, I looked at the, the 12th spot. They had one spot available. There was three or four of us in camp. I was matched up in every drill with those three or four guys. Four, three years later, I went into the Timberwolves, and I said, wait a minute. Every single drill, who's under contract? The starter? Who's, who backs him up? This other guy? And I fought, and I... I really said much, but I fought and I scratched and I died for loose balls. I did everything against that guy. So, no, let me go in front of you to get with this guy because I said, even if I don't start, it's never a question I'm going to be on this team because I'm going to prove to them I belong and I'm competing with this guy who's a starter. And I think that's what Jeremy Lin has had the opportunity to gain that wisdom of having the opportunity last year to get cut by the uh, Rockets and the Warriors, but he had some experience, but his mentality may have been totally different. And so now he's saying, what's the worst can happen to me? What are you going to do, cut me and I go back to the D-League? He's been there, done that. So it's yeah. no fear anymore. And he has talent. Mm-hmm. And he had the same talent a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Reggie, as a scout looking at, looking at ball players, what, what do you look for? Um, I know if you're 6'8 and over, you're kind of looking at the post position, but what do you look for all around as a scout as far as basketball talent? Well, first of all, and it, 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 it's so, it's, it's not the obvious. It is the intangibles. And what do you mean by intangibles? Uh, you look for the upside. Like I can clearly see, you know, a lot of people say, well, Jeremy Lamb's not the answer. Well, keep in mind, San Antonio Spurs won a championship with Avery Johnson, who was undrafted, and many people said he'll never lead them to a championship. And he probably didn't have the talent, quote-unquote, explosive talent on his team that San Antonio did. Obviously, you had David Robinson and, you know, Tim Duncan, but we're talking about electrifying scores in terms of what they have in New York right now. So it's the intangibles that you're looking for. What does that mean? Does he have great core vision? Does he make good decisions uh, overall? He, he, he sees things, and he just can't deliver passes right now. He's a step late. But it's the fact that he saw them. Some, some guys can't even see it, and you leave your head. Did you not see that play about to develop? One thing I've learned, you know, James, you, you guys know, uh, you know, Magic Johnson is a big brother to me. And spending all of these years with him, and that's how I became a coach, obviously, just because he is so tough on you. He's such a perfectionist that he sees things, and he's not a great coach because he doesn't have patience, not because he, can't, he doesn't understand the game. That is clear to anyone who knows basketball. He doesn't have the patience because he sees things five steps ahead, and he expects the average player to see things four steps ahead. He doesn't expect you to see what he sees, but you got to see three to four. That just is not normal. 
but I can see things that that kids can. I say he he can get better. He can get better. He can get better. That's what's going on with a kid like Jeremy Lin. You want to see the upside to the kid, and you're also looking conversely to has he is he already close to his ceiling? There's some great college players that are really close to their ceiling already that don't don't become great pros, and people will say he's going to be a great pro. Well, you're looking at it as a scout saying. He, how much better can he get? And because it is going to be a transition from the NBA, from the college to the NBA. You know, Reggie, and, and I want to ask you this question. You know, when I was at Philadelphia, I went against the best DBs, Eric Allen, Hall of Famer, and all like that. I wanted to go against those great guys, you know, but I was scared. What did it take for you when you came up against, like you say, um, when Detroit played? You know, when you played against the Magic and. What is that for a person? Did you want to go against those guys, or did you want to be like, you know, because when we play basketball, I always say, give me the weakest guy to cover, you know, it's not going to score. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. And, and, and honestly, like I said, uh, you know, obviously being from Michigan, we, you know, our summer league in Detroit is always packed with, you know, Glenn Rice, Terry Mills. I mean, we had all of that. Now, the thing is, the college guys, I felt I was on their level. I mean, I, I, every summer, I've I, you know, we all play together in AAU circuit, Michigan State, Michigan, all of us guys. But it's just totally different when you step out there. And the the biggest difference I noticed when I first got an NBA opportunity is the physical difference. Joe Dumars was so much stronger than I was. He, and, and, and Vinny Johnson was just so much stronger than I was. And, and, I, and honestly, even Isaiah was just so much stronger. I was bigger, but he was just so much stronger. And sometimes that's intimidating mentally when they're stronger physically, you know, when you get in there. So the difference is when you, when you see that there's not that big a gap between the talent level. I mean, they're talented, but they, I mean, I could shoot better than, I could shoot right along with all of them. I could shoot right along with all of them. So I'm saying, okay, I can make these shots. I can do this. But then you start to understand the difference mentally. You got it. Isaiah really taught me a great lesson because he made me, I was hungry, but he made me understand, you're good, you're good. So take that hunger and you're good. Put those two together. Magic is like that. I mean, he took me all over the world with everybody else who had spent 10 years in NBA, and I had one, and he was on me all the time. Some days I would think, man, I couldn't separate our friendship from him being my coach because he made me so mad all the time because he would demand so much. Three years into it, he said, the reason I'm on you all the time is because I've always seen that you could be so much better. And I would finish games with 20 points, go 8 for 11 from the field, 3 for 3 from three-point line, and he'd be screaming about how I missed the layup. And I'm just <laughs> saying to myself, gosh, this guy's hard to please. But that's the level that you have to have mentally to be a great NBA player. And that's what I see in some of the younger kids that come out and, and make it. You know, Red, and I tell everybody, they say, what about the NFL? I say, you know what? Physically, it's nothing because they know you should be in physical shape to come there. I say it's 95% mental. You know, that's what it's about, you know, knowing what defense is the, the defense is, you know, knowing this and that. And you just clear that up, too, with basketball. So mentally, you know what I'm saying? Because they know you are coming there. You can shoot the three, right, Red? They know you ain't going to miss, you know. They know this and that, but it's mentally that what, you gotta have that knowledge of the game. No, that's that is the big key. I, what, the reason I'm a coach now <laughs> is because I 
I've always been a, a, a coach on the floor, a student of the game, but I had to turn it in overdrive after my first year or two of not making NBA because it didn't take me long to get on weights and started doing those things. So I, I spent a summer and I was, I was beating Isaiah up physically. That wasn't the key, but he, now he's so much smarter than me. So now I'm watching a lot of NBA games. I mean, I, to this day I still do it, but I, I, what, right then I started watching games even my old college games where I had success, I would go back and watch those games as a student, not as a fan. I would, I would rewind tapes and say, how did you get open? And if you were defending him, how would you have defended him? And then as I watch how I would have defended myself, then what if he defended me like that? Then what, you would, what would I have done? And I started thinking three and four steps ahead by watching tapes saying, I've got to educate myself greater to the game because that's where I noticed these guys are just a little quicker than I am mentally. I see that guy. I see that, that that play open, and I'm quick enough to get there. But how did they close the gap so fast? And it had nothing to do with physical skills. They saw that play far be- before me. Hey Reggie, that comes with maturity. Would you agree? I mean, no question. If you look at Kobe Bryant, the way Kobe Bryant came into the league, and he was just this—you know—he was all over the place, taking horrible shots and stuff like that. To the player that he is now. Uh, same with Michael Jordan. He coming in and he's all fancy. Doesn't win an NBA championship for six, five, six years before he's in the league. Doesn't that come with maturity as you can look back on those kinds of things? And how do you get players to understand you have to look at things the way you were just talking about? Well, the hardest thing, first of all, you're, you're 100%. It comes with maturity slash wisdom. One thing I noticed with Jeremy and when he does struggle sometimes, he sees those same plays he made in the D-League or those same plays like driving to the basket he made against bad teams who didn't know who he was. Now guys are getting there and they're stripping him and stuff like that. He'll learn because he's a student of the game. I'm going to go back to that as saying that if you are only a fan of the game, which a lot of, when I was fresh into the NBA, I'd go home, go home and watch other NBA teams as a fan. Mm-hmm. But when you become a fan of the game, a student of the game, you're going to take every single opportunity that you can see a film and break it down without a coach saying, we have film session today. And that's the maturity. So you can accelerate that maturity level if you want to do your quote-unquote homework. It's just not a lot of kids are want to do the homework because it's so much more fun just going to play. Mm-hmm. It's just more fun going to play. It's not fun sitting, studying a tape and studying it. It's not fun. Yeah. You know, um, Reggie, uh, I know I know Terry, but I want to get on this next thing before we run out of time. But, you know, I know Terry wanted to bring this up. You know, the life after basketball, what you go through, the struggles of, you know, not playing a game and the injuries that, you know, like I talked with Terry, you know, me going through football, I thought I was done. I went crazy, you know. I went I went cuckoo, you know. Two years and I'm hurt. I'm thinking I'm going to play 10 years, you know. And it just mentally drains you because, you put all your effort and work into saying, hey, I'm going play these many years, I'm going to have this amount of money, I'm going to have this, you know, all this and that. And when that thing ends so quick or, like you say, you get cut or something happens, you know, life after is it's so much different. People don't understand that, that you know, the money and uh, the fame and, you know, everybody knowing you. Can you explain a little bit about what the basketball the life after? Well, you know, James, that's, that's really, really interesting. And you hear about that while you're doing it. But there's reality after you do it. And what I mean by that is that, you know, throughout the majority of my kids, like I, I had a couple, quote-unquote, major injuries 
but I never considered any of them like career threatening. But I guess if I look back on it now, they did. I broke my back. I broke a vertebrae in my back in a game and was out for like three or four months. Obviously, at the vertebrae, I'm, at the moment, I was temporarily paralyzed. I'm, I'm thinking about walking, so I hadn't even thought about basketball. Then they told me it's just, you know, you broke a vertebrae. You didn't break your whole spine or anything like that. So I look at, okay, well, can I play again? Yes, it's going to take you this long. Then nothing else mattered. I'm going to work to work plan. I got back playing. Later in my career, my last couple of years, I had two. It, it actually wasn't even knee surgeries, but in the game, I thought it was a knee. I, I, I tore my quad completely from my knee in Spain in a, in a championship game, and that's when I thought I had a major injury. Took me several months to come back from that. I they told me I wouldn't be the same. And later, this is ten years into a career, so now I'm starting to think, oh wow, this I might not be able to play as much. Or then two years later, same thing happened with the other knee. That is when I was sitting at home, deep into the season, which was the first time I ever had to do this, deep into the fall, and I got a phone call from a guy who used to be a scout in the CBA, and he. He was the general manager of a CBA team, and that's the first time I had to make a decision. Do I want to stop playing right now while I'm reasonably healthy because I got offered a CBA job, and the guy just didn't. I didn't know him, but he said, I remember watching you for years. It was just the way you carried yourself on the court, and I said, that guy's going to make a good coach one day. But I was right there where I still had that itch to play, and I couldn't see not going to practice every day. I couldn't see... um, you know, not traveling like I had been traveling. I couldn't see not, you know, all those things, like you say, those are the, the things that you miss the most. I called Magic that day, the next day, and, and, and I called him because it was right after he had had an opportunity to coach. He and I had talked about the younger wave of guys that, man, it's just so hard that they're not as disciplined as we were. And I told him, I think I've been offered an NBA, a CBA coaching job, but I don't think I want to coach. And he gave me the advice, listen, do you know how hard it is to get into coaching? You can do this for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You can play for another two years maybe. You have to consider it. Take the interview. If you don't like it, you don't have to coach. But just to get the opportunity was a big deal at that time. I took it. Obviously, it goes from there. I, I, I decided, man, this is something I'd like to do. My first two years of coaching, I was practicing with these guys all the time, arguing with these guys. My, my guys, I was actually getting in physical confrontation. These are guys that have to play for me. But I'm out there practicing with them, trying to show them that I couldn't separate. You are no longer out there. It was my itch that I had to scratch. So, as you're saying, from moving from that to bas- away from basketball, from off the court, let me put it that way, it still allowed me. I still travel, still make good money, and all those things. So I have one aspect that I get to hold on to, but I still itch to get out there. So you know, I just have to go down to the YMCA with the LA Fitness with the doctors <laughs> and lawyers to do that. It never you know, goes away, does it, Reddy? It's no, it doesn't. You said because you know, I had four knee surgery. I broke my wrist, broke my toe, broke my hip. I still had that itch, but I had to sit back, like you were saying, and say, "Man, do I want to keep doing this? I, I have to give it up." But it was it was so hard. And then when you make that decision and giving it up, you feel like everything is over with and done. You know, you like you, you had that coach, and I couldn't watch football for five years after that. You know, were you like that? You couldn't watch basketball. Well, the, like I said, I was blessed to go straight from playing to coaching. So, again, I didn't get the, it's the physical itch out, but I've all, I was already a student of the game, so I, it became my profession to watch all basketball to continue to learn, just to learn my craft. Because I didn't know how to coach. 
I had a wealth of, I was much like Magic, now I'm not comparing myself to Magic, but, you know, you can't knock his wealth of knowledge of the game. But he couldn't coach because he just, it's, there's an art to coaching. And that's something that I had to learn. So I always watched the game more. I, I like to see behind the scenes. I like to, you know, when I would go to the NBA combines, I want to talk to coaches about the not-so-obvious things. I don't care about X's and O's. You can, that's, not the, that's not the hard part. The hard part was the other stuff. Now, that, as you're saying, Love, the really hard part for me was coaching these guys, seeing the things that you can do. And I physically challenged them. I could beat you one-on-one. You're 25, I'm 35. I'm 38 at this time, and I'm telling you, I can do these things. I can get to that spot. And so me not kind of having that cockiness to say I can get out there and do it, from time to time I would just lace up my shoes and do it because it, it provided that itch for me, like, you can still do this. But I had no disillusion that I could do it on the night. And guys see me now and they say, man, you can still play. Are you kidding me? I could do it once for <laughs> one and a half hours. I could not do it every day for two or three hours as I had to do in my career. But what a great training tool, Reggie, you, you, you had to have been to those guys to be able to get out there and say, look at what I can do, and this is what I'm asking you to do. What a great tool. I, I think what happened is, and I, I've had several of my guys go on either have NBA careers or, or make a lot of money in Europe that I brought in. I brought in a lot of Jeremy Lins, to be honest with you. I, I brought in a lot of guys that... I gave them opportunities from free agent camps that they had. Nobody else, if they, they came from D2, I brought in Juco players that that's just unheard of. But it was a blessing, quote-unquote, from them, for them to have someone who was not unwilling to see beyond, I, I don't need your resume. Show me that you can play. Show me that you have those intangibles, and I'll give you an opportunity. And they've gone on to make a lot of good money. That's why I say, um, you know, some of those guys at the time I resented the fact that I was so tough or that I would get out there and physically push them around and knock them around. And, but I'm sure, you know, I still keep in touch with them. They'll call me, they'll Facebook me or email me and, you know, hey, coach, how's things going? Because they appreciate down the road that, man, this, we had a coach, a coach unlike other coaches. Yeah. You know, Reggie, we only got two more minutes left, but, you know, I like, like I told Terry, I, I'm glad I'm trying to get you on the show. I know you've been real busy, but you, what you have done for the show today, man, I really appreciate it, you know. Well, thank you guys for having me, man. You know, one, uh, one, you know. one last question, Reddy. Reddy, how was my game? Seriously. Involved. How was my game? <laughs> Reddy, seriously. You know, we, man, you we won't. This show is not going to let put that out there like that. How was my game, Reddy? Seriously. Can I play, play Reddy? <laughs> In your in your own mind, you can play. He was he was my hero on the football field and in the cafeteria. <laughs> so basically, you said don't do it, right? You off the okay. basketball course. <laughs> I was really talking about PlayStation Three, right? See, you ain't know it. <laughs> but thanks, Red, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Everybody, Reggie Fox. Been a pleasure, Reggie. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, I'll tell you, it's another one of the sports show, you know. Hey, great show, Terry, you know. What a, what a show, you. Love. I, I love these shows. We needed we needed Reggie on there. Uh, it's basketball season, and, boy, he sure can't put things into perspective. Well, Reggie kicked it off a basketball season for us, so next week we have another guest on there, surprise the listener. And like we say, women, show up, class 101. Right, Terry? <laughs> well, love. 
I'm from Minnesota and Arizona. This is Jay Lovett and Terry Jackson, host of Loving That Sports Talk, and see you next week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.